0: Welcome to Chase Your Dream, a podcast that believes that all dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. Each week we deliver the stories of a common person being successful by chasing the dream. I am your host, Showman. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have among us someone who is an author. He was adopted at the age of four. His adopted family was chaotic and virtually non-existent, making for unique perspective of life. To tell us more, we please welcome Roderick Edward. Roderick, welcome to my show.
1: Welcome. Namaste. Yeah, as you said, I was adopted at age four. Uh, going back even further, I was very ill at birth. So I was basically left at the hospital figuring I would die. And I didn't die. Obviously, here I am age 52 many years later and uh it's in a family you said chaotic it was more like non-existent because they were they were wrapped up in their stuff not that i'm complaining i'm a big believer in things happen for a reason so for whatever reason it happened for a reason and i was adopted age four and was part of a family of five i was total of five and uh, i was the middle child if anybody's experience that being the middle child you're always you're ignored anyhow so that was even worse uh, i live in i grew up in indiana not india but indiana uh, which is in the middle of the country um little south of chicago if anybody's familiar with that area it is the middle of indiana so it's basically indianapolis and that childhood was the basic american childhood of walking to school every day, even as a kindergartner, as a first grader and all the way up, um, playing baseball and uh, following the ice cream truck down the street. This is the things that American children experience. Um, School days were integrated with blacks and whites and everybody else. So I grew up like that. There was no racism or anything like that. It was pretty, pretty, everybody was just human. from what i can believe from what i can remember from my childhood i was always a a believer in that there was some kind of god i wasn't really raised a christian or anything but i believed there was some kind of force out there and that it had some purpose for my life and i always would you pray to this force i didn't know what it was because i wasn't raised christian but i prayed to the force that you know protect me guide me tell me what i need to do in life probably one of the funniest things that happened in my life is as growing up is when i was in high school i used to cut school i don't know what if you if you get away with that and India but in America you could cut school at least back in my day and get away with a little bit but the, the thing I would do is I'd cut school and go to the library to get books to read that's pretty bad usually when you cut school you go goof off with your friends but I went to the library to get books about history and science to read them and, and learn more because in school it just wasn't giving me what I needed so I think that was kind of what obviously the reason why I became an author because I love facts and history and science and all those things so um good
0: so when did you first realize that you wanted to be an author
1: well as far as i can remember as as young as i can remember as soon as i could put a pen to paper i was writing things i would write and just they would be in journals of books so but i wasn't published as an author until about two years ago so it took almost 50 years to get to that point mainly because i didn't realize how how, what I had to do to get there. I thought it was always too difficult. You had to sign a huge contract and have to have somebody find you and sponsor you, but it's not that way anymore. Obviously in the digital age, you can you can figure out how to do it even for free for that matter. But uh, yeah, always my life. I I felt like I should be an author. I have journals and journals full of of books that I've written that will probably never see the light of day because they're childish, I think so. But they're there. <laughs> <coughs>
0: So what inspired you in writing?
1: Well, again, as, a, as an adopted child and as a middle child, as a child that basically was raised kind of you have conversations with yourself, not like a schizophrenic, but conversations like, what, is, what does life mean? What, what, what am I trying to do here? What's my goal in life? And as I'm thinking these things, I write them down. So that's one thing that inspired me to be an author, because I'm sure we all do that to some degree. We all talk to ourselves and encourage ourselves or, or, bl- or condemn ourselves if we're doing something wrong. So, But I would write those down, so they'd become part of this story. But what really sparked is, we'll get to it, but when I, as being an adopted child at age 50, I actually found my biological family. And we'll get to that however fast you want to go to that. But that's what really inspired the, the full-fledged writing and publishing career.
0: So how many books you have written so far?
1: I think about seven. I'm losing track of them. I have a whole stack of them here, so. I'm losing track of how many I actually have. I have to look. There's five there, and I think I have two or three more that I don't have with me right here, handy. And they're multi-genre. It's not one genre. It's it's across the gamut of the things to discuss. Um, what helped enlighten this is also, even though I'm growing up in Indiana and living in Indiana originally, I were, always worked at a transportation company for most of my life from age 20-something on. Uh, for almost 30 years so i was always interacting with international people meaning people not just in my circle i would to interact with people from india people from china all these places everywhere else so learning and, and understanding their cultures and things like they're doing and so that helped a lot
0: so where do you get your ideas from
1: the ideas come from the current events plus people's lives a lot of, i always credit people with you're the one that gave me this book. I didn't write this book, you did, because you told me these things and I connected the dots together. Uh, and put probably the only book that I've written that's basically all mine is this one here recently, which oddly enough is, it's selling in India. <laughs> it's Excel for everyone. I guess there's a lot of nerds in India that like to read about Excel, Microsoft Excel. That's really the only one that's selling I see in India. So, but a lot of the books come from. I think this this other book here is this book came from a video game that I played. Oddly enough, it's uh, about a guy who. I don't know if you ever played the Ark Survival. Have you heard of this game?
0: Yes, 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 yes. very much. It's a game
1: about. It's a game about a guy who tries to survive on a planet full of dinosaurs. It's just strange. And then this one's more philosophical. It's about the universe, of every religion and none. So i am basically unpack. I even unpack obviously Hinduism and Sikhism and Christianity and Islam, because I've had a lot of experience with many of this. things. I've read the Quran five times, uh, trying to unpack that. And then this one is about a, a obscure religious group that believes Jesus already came back. So, and it's historically true. I mean, they, they actually believe this. And so I wrote about this group. And then lastly, the only one I have with me right here is this one's about my actual adoption and reunion. Uh, there's a, uh, me and then my oldest brother and some other siblings here, my other sisters and stuff. So this one tells you the whole story about how I became from this child that was left in the hospital to age 50, where I found my adopted family. And I have another one I don't have here, but it's called how to overthrow a government. Now at first it sounds awful. Like, whoa, wait a minute. We can't talk about that, but it's not really about that. It's about how people have tried to do it and they've not been successful. You know, and and it's never worked out for them and they don't have a plan. I mean, even like they have the riots as you're paying attention to what's going on in the United States. Now, a lot of these people are rioting, but they have no plan. Okay, let's say we just stop the government completely. What is your plan to take over? Do you have a plan? How's it going to work? They don't have a plan. It's just chaos. We don't want that either. So
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that's what that book's about, how to overthrow our government. Excellent. Uh, What is the most unethical practice in the publishing industry? The unethical practice is where if you go to like a pub- publishing house
1: like they used to do, they would get you to spend $10,000 or more, somewhere around there, $5,000. And they would send you a big box full of your books, they definitely publish them, but then it's your job to figure out who's going to buy them for the most part. They'll do a little bit of advertising for you, but not a lot. So you have this big box of books that you're given, trying to give away to your family and friends. Family and friends don't want to read your books most of the time. They'll, they'll buy them, but they won't normally read them. Just say so you know, they'll say they will They'll just keep them. Oh, God, I bought your book. Okay. Did you think Oh, I haven't got around to reading it yet? <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> strangers read the books. They already know. They already know too much about you. They don't want to know more about you.
0: <laughs> what are the common traps for the aspiring writers?
1: Well, the common traps are there's two different ways, obviously, or maybe more at least two. We'll, we'll talk about the traditional way where you find an agent in a publishing house that decides to, hey, we'll take your book on, uh, pay us X amount of money, or maybe they don't pay, maybe you don't pay them any, money. but the problem is, is that they're not going to take you on unless you're established. So the other part is the independent author where you can go to Amazon or some of these other groups. And the problem with there is there's still some people that will say, hey, I'll help you. And Amazon's completely free for them. For the most part, I could take this book so long as I put it in good format. And I put it in a good format and do my own editing and make sure there's no grammar problems or spelling problems and I can and, and do the do the cover, which I did all this stuff by myself and it's completely free to me. So I'm making the pure profit from the sharing the profit with Amazon. So the other unethical part is where people might say, Hey, I can do that for you and they'll charge you a lot of money for something you could have done for yourself for free. If you've just taken a little bit of uh, time to research it. So that's the difficult trap there.
0: So, what is your
1: writing kryptonite by writing kryptonite what keeps me from writing? Yeah, yeah. daily distractions I mean I, was, I like some distractions because a lot of my writing comes from when I'm working out like I live on a uh, almost a two acre plot of land right next to a four fifty thousand uh, square acre forest here in Florida that's where I live now so I'm in the middle of nowhere and so when I'm out here feeding the chickens or tending the yard or doing things like that, I'm able to start thinking about. What i'm doing but if typical life comes into play where i have to go get groceries or or somebody needs help i might forget about what i need to write so the trip tonight is making sure you don't get too distracted from what you're doing i'm also not typical some writers will say i'm going to sit down i'm going to spend three hours writing to me i at least for me i can't do that because then it doesn't come from the heart it comes from forcing myself to sit down and write i have to say oh i just thought of this great plot or this interesting part that i need to tell people and and i'll then i'll sit down and write but if i have to sit down and force myself to write it's going to be more mechanic and not mechanical and not so much from the heart and soul
0: do you try to be original or or you deliver to the readers what they want
1: i try to be original Uh, so far nobody has blamed me for Copying anybody's style because I try not to read just like your 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 uh, podcast here I purposely didn't watch any of your Previous ones because I don't want to have a a biased opinion as to what I'm getting into I want to come into it and let it speak for itself And so when I write people say well writers read a lot I I really don't read a lot anymore I used to read a lot But I don't do it anymore because I'm afraid that I'll start sounding like somebody else And I want to sound like myself so I don't read a lot at least until I'm like five this topic here, like this, this, like I said, this is preterism, a Christian topic. I won't read about it until after I'm done writing what I, you know, not, not in detail, it's somebody else's book. I won't read their book about it until I'm done with my book.
0: So do you think someone could be a writer if they don't feel the emotion strongly?
1: It depends your topic you're going to write about. Like if you're going to write a technical book, maybe you can, maybe because I was for... A good portion of my life I was a data analyst. This has to be the most boring job you can get. It's somebody who just looks at numbers all the time and data, and so it's really unemotional. And I don't really consider myself that emotional person, although a lot of people have said that a lot of my writing is very uh, dramatic. But I, I don't see myself that way, but they say that. So, yeah, I, I think you can do it. You don't have to be emotional. Or sometimes emotional, when it comes over the top, anyhow, it's it's just delivered wrong. And to me, it's almost manipulative, especially in politics, emotion in politics it tends to be manipulative.
0: What other authors are your friends with and how do they help you to become a better writer? Friends
1: with authors. I I can't name any by name because I am on many message boards with authors and we do talk a lot about various things. We normally talk about some of the things you've asked me here about the traps and, 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 and tropes. For example, if I, a trope is always something like, uh, I don't know what the hell they are in India, but in the United States um, most kids grew up to believe that when they become adults, one of their major, major fears are we're falling into quick, quicksand because every movie you watch, somebody was falling into quicksand and dying. Oh, I can't get out of the quicksand. So we talk about those things that tropes that you don't want to use the same thing that people are used to. You want to excite them. You want to say, oh, they want, they want to understand something different, especially in this day and age when we have only a short amount of time. Most of my books are about 100 to 150 pages long. Most books from a long time ago will be 300 pages long. I don't know too many people who will read a 300 page book anymore. You just don't have the time for it. So I try to keep them down to a a good, good limit.
0: Do you want each book to stand on its own? or are you trying to build a body of work with connections between each of the book?
1: Well, interesting enough, you're asking for great questions, by the way. I've been on other podcasts about authors and they don't ask these great questions. I appreciate it. All of my books do have a connection. However, unless you understand them, as you read through them, you wouldn't notice that connection because they do stand on their own. And I'm a multi-genre author, like a lot of authors will write romance or fiction or, or history or anything like that. But my books are about all kinds of different things. However, if, if you read all of them, you would, you would see what I talked about when I first came on this podcast, which is what I believe that there's a connection with everything. And that's the book, The Universe, that probably tells you about it the most. But even in, even in the book like the uh, Excel book, which it shouldn't be anything about that. It should be basically just a dry book about Technology, but if you get through it, reading, you'll find out that I actually believe that even this even my experience in Excel Had a purpose and a reason why I went to that route So you'll see that connection if you read all my books you might not catch it if you read only one book
0: If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Uh,
1: I, again, I, I kind of wish I would have started sooner, but maybe maybe this was the time I should have started but it wasn't that difficult once I got into it I realized it's not really that difficult to write it's the, the worst part is the formatting and make sure you have the format correctly and the the editing the grammar a lot of people will use obviously somebody else I typically don't use anybody else for the editing which is a big big no-no from both authors but what I'll do is I'll allow um Uh, Word word processing program to read it back to me multiple times so I can see what it sounds like does it sound It's kind of robotic, but actually that's even better because it's reading without without the emotion and therefore I can say well is it coming across the way I want to so I would tell my younger self to get started sooner, I guess
0: How did publishing your first book change the process of your writing
1: Publishing my first book. I realized I'm going to do a, do a need to do a better job Especially at the cover because they know you know They say don't judge a book by its cover But that's kind of people that you can say it all you want But people do judge a book by its cover this book might not appeal to the be what's what is that? It's just a black book with this some weird thing going across the front However, somebody who understands that's the infinite infinity sim- symbol that would appeal to them right away this book here for example is It's just a bunch of bricks. What is this people? Okay. Well, that's the, the wailing wall in Jerusalem. And some people would understand that. So the people I'm appealing to would understand that some of my earlier, uh, forays into covers were very boring and didn't relay what I wanted to. So that's, that's what I would say about that. Mm
0: -hmm. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power?
1: I've always understood the language had power, I think. I can't recall when I didn't because, first of all, I love alliteration. It's not rhyming, it's alliterations where I would say several words that had to begin with the same, obviously, letter. Uh, and I understood that they almost sound musical. I'm not very good at music, but writing is also music. Math is music to some degree. Everything is, to me, everything is art to some degree, whether I'm out there planting plants in the garden or writing articles in my, in, on my website or in a book or if i'm painting all this stuff is art to me even like i said even mathematics is a form of art if it's put together correctly so i understood that expression itself has a lot of it I mean, even here i see that you have this picture hanging behind you it looks like maybe a doorbell but behind you is a picture that picture is there for a reason so and my picture is there for a reason so everything's expression
0: mm-hmm. so how do you balance making demand on the readers it's taking care of the readers well the
1: readers so far haven't demanded so much from me so that hasn't since i'm a fairly new author i think most most of the readers that i that i've interacted with i for example have one reader who listens to my audiobooks because she's blind and she is constantly saying you need to put out more i i need more of your books i need more but at the same time i just don't want to put out junk i want to put out stuff that means something so i'm telling her you need to wait a little bit because i i need to let it come to me if it doesn't come to me then it won't be genuine so i have to balance that with her i've I've tried to push her towards other things and tell her to wait a little bit on that so and if the topic doesn't come like right now i'm writing a book about a world war ii cargo pilot who was stationed in moran india india moran hat i think it's called familiar with that Mm -hmm. Right, right and i i keep trying to get information from about moran hat back in 1942 but so far not too many people have given me what it was like in 1942 and so i still got to do a lot of research and this is a true story because i have a lot of pictures from this guy his story but i want to know what what it was like and what experience he felt like when he first stepped off that plane or drove that bus however he got to moran hat in india what it was like for him so Mm -hmm.
0: so how many unpublished and half-finished books do you have
1: well, again, I have a lot of one from my younger days, which will never be published. Probably enough to make six or seven books, but I'll never publish those. They were to me, they're they're wild and crazy. However, I'm in the process of probably writing four or five books. The one I told you about about the cargo pilot. I have another very controversial one called um, the, the history and future of black people. And so that's very controversial, but I am working on that one. And I have one by my uh my biological aunt, if we get to, if we get into the story a little bit more, my biological aunt just died last year. I only knew her for less than one year, but she had written a, an autobiography. She was from Germany, came over here in 1953, I believe, on a boat right after the fall of the Nazis. And she wrote this large biography. It's it's this right now, it's an outline form, but I plan to put that together and put it out as a book because I think it's a story that needs to be told. So I got books like that. So I probably have four or five of them in, in, in the works.
0: Mm -hmm. So what does literary success look like to you? Literary success, just like
1: all art, does not look like I made a lot of money because that's never going to be the case. Most artists that you know, you know, Rembrandt and and all those guys, they didn't make the money until they were dead and gone. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen with me. Maybe my books will just get lost in the shuffle and they'll be gone forever. But I do try to write them in a timeless way where hopefully they'll be useful and, and interesting to people a hundred years from now they're written in such a way that so literary success to me means that I have felt like I have told the story honestly and somebody even if it's just one person has gotten something out of it I, I hope that more and more people get to read and I think once they open my books they'll say this guy's a different kind of author he's not the kind of author I, there's for example I, I find now I used to I used to love to read but I find reading boring to some degree I lose interest I'm writing for the person who loses interest in the book that they're reading because it's always structured in certain ways they you can tell it's structured by this book by that book because industry it's industry example mine's not industry I'm I write to the author like or to the reader the book I'm writing right now about the guy in the cargo pilot I could not figure out why his rank his rank went from. Uh, first lieutenant to second lieutenant. It makes no sense because everywhere I look, he should have went from second lieutenant to first lieutenant. I've looked all over the place to figure out why that is, and I can't figure out what so right in the middle of the book, I stop and I say, I speak to the to the reader. I say, here's something that happened while I was writing this book. So here you're reading a story, but suddenly the author just stops and speaks to you directly and says, hey, reader, here's why I changed this because I don't, there's no information about it. So to me, it's just a different way of writing.
0: What is the best way to market your book?
1: Well, depends who you listen to. The best way to market the book from the industry standard would be to contact a marketing campaign and they would, you know, put out a bunch of flyers and buy a time on Google, Google ads and all these things. I don't know if that's the best way. And it may be the best way right now. I've had limited success. I've not been able to use this money from the book sales to sustain myself, but it is making some. I wanna make it work where I'm talking to people like this on the podcast or people who read the book. I want it to work that way. I don't know if it will, but I want it to work that way. So we'll see.
0: So generally, if you are on a flow, how many hours do you write?
1: When I'm in a flow, I can write probably five or six hours. Usually I try to write at night when everything's quiet, especially around here, it's very, very quiet. Um, all I hear is the owls hooting outside, maybe occasional rooster that doesn't realize it's nighttime. You know crowing but otherwise i'm able to write for five or six hours and then when i get to the point where i'm saying well i'm starting to feel like i'm making stuff up or i'm pushing it to a point where i just don't know i will stop because it's not fair to the reader i want it to be genuine all the way through
0: like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. If you didn't write, what would you do? Well, I've always, oddly
1: enough, the question's backwards to most of the time, because people say, well, what would you be when you grew up if you could be anything you want to be? Well, I am finally what I want to be. I want to be a writer. I want to 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 tell stories and tell introduce lives to people and stuff like that. I want to do that, and I am doing that. The problem going to be is I probably only have enough for another year saved up money if, if this writing doesn't sustain me in another year I'm going to have to do something different. I don't know what it'll be, but I'm going to have to do something different I like art. I do do a lot of art But again, it's the same way as writing you have to find uh, people who want to buy your art So we'll see
0: Do you read your book reviews if so what do you do with your negative reviews?
1: I have been a blogger most of my life, even before the internet existed. Um, I don't know how long you've been on the internet. It looked like I might be slightly older than you. I'm uh, 52. And so I was on the internet before the internet existed. It was basically all it was, was a bunch of uh, college bulletin boards, where basically you could get on there and you could see text and that was it. There was no pictures or anything like that. And you'd have to learn all the different commands to, to control the tech. You probably remember that too. Okay. So Um, so as I become available in the Internet, and I've actually began to get my own website, realizing that I need to control my own content. I made a policy with myself that I will let anything through any comment through. I'll moderate it, but I'll let any comment through even the most negative comments, as long as you're not being hostile and just outright rude or mean. So I have no problem with negative reviews. and And I want to hear the negative reviews. And I will look and see one thing I try to do a lot is I say, is that true? A lot of people will get defensive immediately. If you say, you know, I don't like the way you're wearing that shirt or that orange shirt's braids and you, your beard is crazy looking. Okay, well, instead of going, how dare you say that to me? I'll say, why is that their perception? And is it true? I'll say it to myself. Do I need to change anything? And so the same thing comes through with, with the negative reviews. If I see one, I'll say, did I, did I not relay what I wanted to relay correctly? Or is that how I relate it? And it is negative. Some things I know is going to be negative and I'll just accept it. I know right when I put it out, this is the response it's going to get. And I'm okay with that because I know that from the get-go.
0: So what one thing you give up to become a better writer?
1: One thing I've given up is, well, if you read the book, this book here, the Together More book, the book that really started it all about my adoption reunion, I've had to give up a lot of family and friends because... I'm very honest in my books and unfortunately some of the people that are in that book are upset with me still. I said, look, I only have a short amount of time. Most people, when they're 52 years old, you, you really technically only have 30 years left. To me, that's a very short time. So I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to be mean or rude to anybody, but I'm going to tell the truth. I've told the truth in that book where, uh, for example, the aunt who's now dead, I'll tell you about her. She, in that book, I write about her and she had a child who she brought back, uh, I think it was malaria. Maybe it wasn't malaria, but uh, some major disease that she had caught from a friend. She brought it back to her six year old child. Didn't realize she brought it back. Her six year old child ended up dying from it. Now, I wrote about that in the book, but she took it that I was saying she killed her child. I'm certainly not saying that. Matter of fact, I was saying how horrible that must be to a parent that, you know, that you brought this disease back on your child and your child died. But she felt like I should not have even told that story. But to me, that story is part of my story, too, because that's who you are. Some people are afraid to talk to me because they know that if you talk to me, chances are I'm going to use your story in my book if it crosses my path. So I'm warning you right now. If you know me, don't tell me anything. You don't want me to know that crosses my path. because It might become part of my book. So, yeah, I've had to give up friendships and possibly even family members because they're just not ready for me to be dishonest.
0: So what are your
1: favorite literary genres? My genres? I actually like there's a guy named Isaac Asimov. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He writes about science and religion at the same time. And I like those interactions because people act like religion is off limits, we, especially in politics. We can't ask somebody what the religion is. Well no, because you're let's forget the moment that it's a religion. For just think about it, it's an ideology. You know, whether it's true or not, we don't care. Whether Hinduism or Christianity or Islam, it's still an ideology. It's somebody who advocated something that they think is true. And so to me, I think it's interesting when we look at ideologies and we ask, is its result negative or positive? I don't like to talk about good or bad, you know, because or evil or good. I like to talk about negative or positive. If I believed a certain ideology, no matter what it was, is it going to have an overall positive result for me and everybody else that's written it? So I do like authors like Isaac Asimov that tries to mesh and understand the, both the interaction between science and religion.
0: What is your favorite childhood book?
1: My favorite childhood book, actually, probably author is, um, oh, really? Can I not suddenly think of it? Oh. The cat in the hat that is Dr. Seuss. There we go. It wasn't the cat in the hat It was the places you'll go, the places you'll go. And those things like because he uses a lot of alliteration in his stories, not just rhymes, but alliteration. And I don't know. I've never studied uh, Indian, Indian poetry or anything like that. So I don't know how it's meter and all those things go. But when you look at translations of various other uh, uh, languages into like English, it obviously loses something English is basically just you know we're going to rhyme the last word at the end of the last sentence and I try to get away from that because it's so typical and so easy to find uh, so anyhow that's, I like Dr. Suth because he used a lot of alliteration.
0: What is the most difficult part of your artistic process?
1: Formatting and spell checking and uh, grammar checking editing in general. Because you have to sometimes obviously you're not going to see your own mistakes that's the reason why people will say well rod why are you doing that then why don't you get a, an editor well one reason i don't get editors because editors will often tell you, you you can't write it that way it has to be this way because the industry says it has to be this way i get that but i i'm not playing that game right now i want to write as i write and maybe some people say rod you really do need an editor because your work is junky we don't like it maybe the will said that i don't know but so far most people have not said that they said they like the way i write because Again, I'll stop right in the middle of the, the whatever I'm writing about and I'll speak to the reader. So the most process is the formatting.
0: Does your family support your career as a writer?
1: Parts of them do, as I said earlier, some of them do not. But there's a lot of them that do support it. I'm not certain how many have actually read an entire book that I've written. Um, some of them have and probably maybe in the day and the age where audiobooks might be easier for somebody to, to listen to. But again, a lot of my books are either about topics that are really obscure, like the one I said about preterism. That one's about a, a obscure religious group that believes Jesus came back in the year a- the, the year 8070. But then some of my books are about uh, things that my family should be interested in, but they don't want to read because they're afraid to read them. <laughs> well, am I in that book? I don't want to know if I'm in that book, I'd rather not know I'm in that book I actually had had a meeting with two of my brothers off this book that again, this is my biological family there's me there's my uh oldest sister they my younger sister my oldest brother and my middle brother now these two guys here and the sister i was at a restaurant with them and i said hey i'm going to write a book they don't they obviously don't know too much about me because we just met or less i'm going to write a book about our life they laughed ha 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 ha. i said is it okay if i write a book Are you guys all right with it i mean if they weren't i'm still going to write it but i wanted to ask them anyhow and they, said, they laughed and joked and said, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so as long as we get some of the profit, which I you know, obviously I haven't made much profit. But once I wrote the book, they weren't that happy with it. They like, well, you didn't ask me. I said, yes, I most certainly did ask you if I could write this book. Well, you didn't ask me if I could you could say that and that and that. I said, I haven't said anything that you really that, that, thing that's going to reveal too much about you. Matter of fact, I never used your last name in any of the books. So I always kept its first names.
0: If you had to do something differently as a child, or a teenager to become a better writer as an adult, what you should do? I would
1: have studied more history and more science. Um, unfortunately to me in American schools, it's a lot of it's programming because for example, we will, we will start in, I don't know, third grade and we'll talk about the colonists, the colonials, you know, that came over here in, in 1609. And then in sixth grade, we're still talking about them. Can we move along? I think the reason why we don't is because it's very if you get further in our history, it's very controversial. For example, um, obviously America was a slave country. We had you know African slaves. Now, how do you do that? How do you teach that as a teacher, and do it in a way that is not damaging? You have a you have a class full of thirty students, some white, some black, some some from some Muslim, some from India. You have all these students in there, and now you're going to bring up what happened with how, the, how these people became Africans. I actually felt sorry because it's, as you look over to the black kid who may have never heard this story that they were African, that their ancestors were African slaves, what do they do with this information? And do they get angry at the white kids like the white kids had something to do with it? That, hey, you, I didn't have anything to do with it, but these are difficult topics. But I encourage, I would encourage people to look into this more and, and, and try to look at the truth and get past the manipulation. I mean your own, your, your own history with India, obviously the uh, colonization of, of, yes. of, of England, you know, for right. so long, I've, I've been reading more and more about that. So was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing? There was positive stuff and negative stuff. For example, I was reading, I'm, I'm writing the part where we built the Lido road. Have you familiar with this? Yes. Lido? It's, I know it's yes. no longer in use, but the Lido road was a road between India that went all the way to China. Right, but you didn't have a road like that until. Unfortunately, that war came and the allies came there and they chopped down a lot of the forest and, and, and jungle and built this road. And Now, I don't know what's there now. What I understand is it's been engulfed back by the jungle, but it probably changed life in India for a while because it, was, it connected you to parts of other cultures that you wouldn't have had interaction with. But the negative part was you were dominated by colonists. So you have to take good with bad, I think.
0: Balancing between the two, right? right. So do you uh, believe in writer's block?
1: Oh, yeah, writer's block definitely happens. Um, Usually because to me, at least for me, it happens because there's some kind of other distraction or there's just there's something there. I can't explain it, but there's something there that, again, for me, if it's not genuine, I'm not going to sit down and write. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm going to sit down for five hours and write. I have to say, wow, I have this great idea or this thought in my head. I want to just put down in, in writing writer's block probably happens more to people who want, actually want to sit down and, and, and write because that to me that's not as genuine and a lot of times those people have built off of and it's good nothing wrong with it but they've built off of things they've ever read by other people they've been influenced by other people and they're, they're able to put their stories together probably better than I can because they're they're like I said they're borrowing stories from other people and the other genres and oh this sounds like this guy It's like musicians are the same, you know You have musicians like oh, that sounds like the Beatles or that sounds like this guy You know it does because they've borrowed those the tune or whatever from that other that other musician
0: Who and how is continuously inspiring you?
1: Um, my adoptive sister or actually my biological sister so Again, when I was adopted, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any, any real, I had no idea what my, my heritage was or anything. Matter of fact, I actually thought my heritage might be African because look at these big fat lips. So when I took a DNA test, I found out these big fat lips come from my Viking heritage. Viking people tend to have very fat lips like this from Norway and, and, uh, Germany and Scandinavia, They have big fat lips. And so. The only person on this book here that is actually 100% biologically related to me is this sister right here. We have the same father and mother and her just it's weird because she has some of the same thoughts and stuff I do, even though we were completely raised apart. She was also given up for adoption at shortly after birth. Even though we were apart for 50 years, we almost can finish each other's sentences. So she inspires me because sometimes when I feel like, oh, this, the things I've done to get here at this point to be an author, are too much for me. I can't handle it. I don't know what I'm going to do. She helps me along and and inspires me and and gives me encouragement to continue continue on. So
0: So given a chance to make this world a better place to live, what steps will you take? Well, I'm
1: trying to get people to understand that there will always be diversity. I made a video not too long ago. It's a nine minute video. I hired a guy from uh, the UK. The, The video is called Utopia Undone and it's basically about how the rioters at least in America and possibly over in Europe Have this idea where they're going to build a utopia All we have to do is get rid of all these old people that don't know what they're doing This is the mindset of of a lot of these young rioters. They're going to get rid of all the old people We'll start over. They don't know what they're doing. They've they've messed up this world and so At the end of this video that I've built This guy asked what it was all for because he realizes he can't do anything so my point is we're constantly being told that diversity is the goal and, and, and non-discrimination. And that's not the goal because we will always be diverse. There will always be people who have one belief over another. What we need to figure out how to do is not hate each other over it. I'm not gonna try to get you to agree with me about my politics or my religion or my race. And you have to, we, we have to have X amount of black people or X amount of white people, X amount of Indian people working at this company. Why don't we just have people who eventually we get to the point where I don't see you as an Indian guy or a black guy or a white guy. You, I see you as a human. If we can get to there and stop talking about all this, then I'll feel like I have accomplished something at least in my messaging to the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Has there been a moment where you thought to yourself? I can't take it anymore. I'm going to get a real job. <laughs> if so, how do you overcome that?
1: OK, well, that's already that's already in the works here. I told you earlier on, I have so much money. I have a, a year's worth of money left. That's about it. If I can't figure out how to make writing sustain me and I don't want a lot of money. I'm not. Oh, I need to be a millionaire. I, I live in a really comfortable. I could probably survive on $15,000 a year food shelter, everything I have, I could probably survive $15,000. That's really not that much. I could probably get a part-time job and do that. However, that will distract me from the writing. If I could get my writing to keep me for $15,000 a year, I could continue writing. So yeah, I've told myself that ultimately here, Rod, you only have a year left before you have to do something different. So let's hope karma, the universe, whatever is in control here, tells me what I need to do before that time happens. Otherwise, I might have to stop being a writer.
0: So better hurry up and
1: get these books before I stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What one thing you wish you had known before you began your career?
1: One wish I would known before I began my career. Well, again, I think I still need to get better at writing in a way that doesn't upset the people that I care about the most. I mean, I don't write to upset them. I actually like him when I wrote about the ant. I was saying what a great and momentous thing and, and a great soul that can overcome that. I don't think I could have. If I've been a parent that thought brought back a disease and my child died from that, I don't think I could have went on. And so I was lauding her, I was applauding her, but yet she took it as if I was being mean. So I need to do a better job at somehow conveying that I'm not out to be vicious to anyone. I, I want people, human beings in general, not just my family member to realize that i'm in your corner i want to see you succeed as long as you're not trying to destroy me i want to see you succeed whoever you are so
0: so what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from that
1: my biggest failure is again not trying to figure out how the dramatic change was going to happen when i actually found my biological family it really caused a lot of destruction because i don't know how far we're going to get into this but as an adoptee, you kind of begin life with amnesia. You don't know who you are, so you kind of make up a story. Yes, you, have a, you might have an adopted family that you buy yourself into, but you're no matter how much they love you and care for you, you're not really them, you or somebody else. And I know there's a lot of, I went to a conference not too long ago, there's a lot of adoptees that come out of India even. So that must be even worse, being a, 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 an, an op- adoptee that comes to America and you're from another country. That has to be way worse. So, I think the failure is not trying to figure out who I am and where I fit in before the destruction came in. Because again, once I figure out who I was, my background, everything else, it caused a lot of destruction in the amnesia because I woke up from the amnesia. And people thought, well, you don't love me anymore. You don't care about me anymore. We spent all these years together and now you just want to do something different. I can't help that I woke up from my slumber of who I was and who I created. And now I'm this person. I don't, don't, hopefully you don't hate me. I'm telling the other person, but this is who I am now. Can you still love me for this? And so I was hoping maybe I could figure out how to, if I could do redo it again, I would do it slower so they could help bring more people along and they wouldn't feel so betrayed.
0: What advice would you like to give to someone who want to pursue a career similar to that of yours?
1: Well, the first thing you need to do is start writing. If it's just in a journal, if it's handwriting in a book, I have a lot of those. Write that down or get the, get the program out and start typing. And don't worry about, well, you know, i got to make sure my formatting right. Just write. Like even my, my biological sister, she has a story to tell that's just as amazing as mine, I think, of her adoptive life and how she, what she went through. And she's beginning to write. And it's right now, it's just a jumble of words that the formatting might be wrong. You might repeat the same word over and over again. So it's not very readable, but at least it's now down in a in a book form where they va- basically you just need to clean it up a little bit. So I would say just start writing.
0: What are the best resources that helped you along the way? Well, my 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 experiences might be
1: a little bit different. Like I said, I came from a world be- of text based writing. I came from a world where. We were on those message boards where it was important to figure out how to convey things in text Uh, but i guess the best resources would be right now for a lot of people and i i'm suspecting i guess talk about my own self as well but youtube but you got to be careful because there's a lot of scam artists there too Who say hey pay me this much money and i'll make you into the next number one writer no they won't they're not the number one writer so they're not going to make you into a number one writer the best resources are get a good program like microsoft word or something start writing uh go and see if there's some templates out there because i have a, i started with a template that was basically here's what you do put your stuff in there and i toyed around with it and fixed it towards how i like it now but i kept it basically the same figure out how to upload and download stuff and and edit stuff just go on to amazon or go on to some of these other uh free writing programs and try to upload your stuff the first thing i guess the first thing is Realize your first book is not your, this is my masterpiece, my one and only book. No, this is your throwaway book. This is the book that probably nobody will ever buy. And I have some of those, but this is the book you're trying to learn how it all works. And I have, like I said, I have some of those where I've uploaded them. Nobody's bought one
0: of them, but I learned the process. So do that. What is the common myth about your profession and how do you want to debunk that?
1: (laughs) The common myth is that authors are readers very you know we read all the time I don't know about other authors but I don't read all the time because I'm writing all the time if I was reading all the time I wouldn't have time to write so that's the biggest myth um the the next myth is probably that we all are living in a one-room cabin with a cat you know something like that I don't own a cat I have a couple dogs um I come from a fairly middle-class life until I moved down here so writers can be all types of people you don't have to be some weirdo or you don't have to be some person you don't even have to be somebody who's lived an exciting life some some of my books are very straightforward and 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 i think people like them anyhow because they speak to them so you don't have to say well i was a you know i jumped out of airplanes for my for my life most of life or i was wrestled alligators
0: or whatever okay that's that's for movies if you could step into my shoes what would you have asked yourself that i haven't you ask so
1: much great questions, like I said from the beginning,
0: uh, I would
1: say if I'm on my last days. Let's say I'm on my deathbed. If I get to that point and I, I'm dying of old age and I could look back, what would be some of the things I, I wish I would have wrote about or I did write about. And so, like I said, I write about various things and right now this is my magnus opus right here this the universe because this is more philosophical it tells people why I do what I do and why I believe what I believe and why I believe like the universe is, is something we reabsorb into it's not a god so much you go to and I, I, and, and again I was a, for, for probably since 1984 until I don't know 2008 or so I was a very devout Christian I wasn't raised Christian I wasn't raised anything but now i believe more like i'm reabsorbed in the universe because i've seen too many things that don't mesh well with any religion that i the experience so i would say the question you would ask is what will i expect at the at the, my end of my life from all this is it is it worth it and i think it is you know, even if it's just a pile of books that are left in an empty empty box somewhere that somebody finds after i'm dead and gone and it doesn't get any further than that i think it'll be useful
0: Any message for my listeners?
1: Well, my message for your listeners are, and I hope and i suspect a lot of your listeners are English speakers because we're speaking English. I would Most of them are from the UK. Excellent. From the UK? You're located in the UK?
0: UK and US, yes. That is my main strength of, uh, I mean, uh,
1: listeners. Well, I'm hoping more, I get more. Cause I, It's one thing about speaking to you fellow Americans, but I want to speak to because, again, because I come from an international environment where I've known so many different cultures and crossed so many different cultures. I want to branch out of that. I want to see what does the the average Indian, Hindu or whatever a Sikh person think about this book? You already know what the average American is going to think things like that i want to know what they think i don't want just that just regular american so i'm hoping that this will broaden my my readership and and they will interact more and more with that
0: so where can my listeners connect you
1: well they can connect to me on facebook or twitter or amazon and the best way to get to there the the, the on-ramp to that is to my website which is easiest to remember would be Roderick e. Dot com. So it's basically, uh, there we go, I'm trying to point there. It's that, Roderick, and then just the E, dot com. And you get there and you'll get to all my books. You'll get to the, the way you get to Twitter, to the way you get to LinkedIn, the way you get to Instagram, all those things. And we can connect there and, and we can have good conversations. We can debate. We can, have, whatever we're to do, we can do those things there.
0: Thank you Roderick. It was nice talking to you. It was absolute honor to have you as a guest in my show. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to subscribe us on any platform, be it Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Geo7, Castbox, etc. Also tell your friend, family members, and enemies about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another new episode. Myself, Shomans and Gupta, signing off. Not before saying, all dreams can come true, provided you have the courage to pursue
2: them. Wow,
0: that's nice. I love your episode. Uh, talks about dreams and ambition then you must actually pursue your dreams while pushing your dreams you actually have to create memories in the art of those loved ones and those whosoever you meet uh, so, so that your track record can be left behind if you're no more alive so keep pushing your dream dot keep dreaming and don't And you don't take actions about what you're dreaming. You dream and take actions and travel around the world. It's your choice. It's a nice one. I love it.
2: Lovely episode. Everything is so much magical, still rooted to reality. I really love uh, this episode of yours. Amazing episode as usual and lovely hosting your guest is very beautiful she is so sweet with such noble and kind heart i must say amazing i enjoyed completely amazing episode i must say i really love the question that you asked your guest that whether she feels happy or stressful when she writes anything And the honest answers that she gave was really, I mean, I really got connected. It's so true. Even when I write my content and all, it's true. Yeah, we do feel sometimes stressful and sometimes happy about it. So keep doing this good job. Amazing episode. Thank you.
0: Hi, my name is EKG. I just finished listening to Chase Your Dreams podcast. It's is a podcast about positivity, storytelling, about people's overcoming many obstacles in their life. And I feel like if you're feeling down and unmotivated, this is a podcast you need to tune into. It has so many things to keep you motivating, so many positivities, stories, and You should never give up on your dreams. So go and listen to Chase Your Dream podcast. Thank you. I would like to thank my listeners for listening to my podcast. And I'm also recommending the listeners to listen to the podcast of my fellow podcaster, Nafisa Nazneen. The name of our podcast is Basics to Bloom. This podcast will enlighten you to look at things in a different way and will guide you to transform yourself to the better version for Basics to Bloom. Her podcast is available in all major platforms, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, and obviously Anchor.fm. Do remember to check her out. The name of her podcast is Basics to Bloom. Thank you. I have a small announcement to make. It's about BLESS. BLESS is a non-profit seeking organization. BLESS is designed for humanity. It is where needs are shared and needs are met. I have just become the proud member of BLESS. And of course, there are certain investments which you have to make. Don't worry, it's not a monetary investment. All we need is humanity. To tell us more, we have Tara Yousevi the founder of BLESS. You're invited to check out BLESS, a revolutionary app designed to bring communities together to help one another in every part of the world. Need affects us all, and BLESS provides a safe place for humanity to share the needs they are facing, giving others an opportunity
1: to help. Even better than that, through BLESS, you don't have to wait for a need to be shared. You can offer to meet a need anytime, any way you want. Whether you have gently used items to give away, a listening ear to offer, or a helping hand to lend, you can give on purpose, with purpose, through Bless. All of these things and more have the power to change lives and impact generations. So come and be a part. Get Bless from the Apple app and Google Play stores at bless-app.com. It's free to install, free to use, and contains no ads. Bless is a gift from me to you, so get it today.